turn to Psalms 126, and in the other hand, turn to Luke chapter 8. Psalm 126 in one hand, and Luke chapter 8 in the other. While y'all are finding those, I'll get this stuff set up. And I hardly ever do this, use a PowerPoint in my preaching. I use PowerPoint in, in my teaching a lot of times, but not in my preaching, but this was important enough, I thought that I would show this on the PowerPoint, do something a little bit different. You know, if you just show up at church every Sunday, there's going to be something going on down here. One way or another. <laughs> it might not be what you expect, but there'll be something going on over here. Try to keep you on your toes, you know. Amen. Amen. Yeah. You don't know. You just got, you got to show up because uh, last, last night, and I'm not trying to scare anybody off, but last night we were having a big fellowship meal in the back after we watched the movie and everything, and Walked over there where Ronnie was sitting, and about less than a foot from where he was sitting, coiled up by the air conditioner, was a snake. And he'd been sitting by that snake the whole time. And Ronnie's so mean, that snake was afraid to bite him. And we turned into a snake-handling church just like that. You didn't know we were a snake-handling church. And we got out the, we got out the, the thongs. To, to pull that snake out of there, and uh, those are the same thongs we're going to be using to serve food this morning, by the way. And we got that snake out of there, and then he grabbed it. And I've watched a lot of snake handling shows, brother, and, and I always see him grab it behind the head. Not Brother Ronnie. He's going to grab it like three-quarters way down the body. So he has that thing, and that snake is coming up like that towards his hand. And, it is just, and I was like, man, and he just, so what he did is he go like this. Uh, if you realize you're doing this, but you go like this. Well, you, you know, your hand's still right there, brother. I mean, and, and I was like, I was like, here we go. This is going to be interesting. And that snake is still was too afraid to bite Ronnie. So, wow, he don't even look like he tastes good. I don't know what the snake was thinking. But it's out, and he didn't kill the snake, so it's probably back in there. Probably come back in there last night. But. <laughs> I don't know why he didn't kill the snake. You said it's a good snake, right, that eats but. Eats bugs and stuff like that. So I'm sure you know Brother Ronnie. Don't know what he's talking about because there are no good snakes. The only good snake is a dead snake. Can I get an amen for that? Amen, amen, okay. <laughs> you're getting soft-hearted towards snakes in your old age. We're going to start with Psalms 126. I'm saying all this to remind you that you need to show up. You don't know what's going to happen in this church. I've had a, I've had a, a raccoon get up in the ceiling. And start playing with something in the middle of the service. And you hear it go. Just like that. Y'all remember that happening? All kinds of strange, strange things happened in the church. And I, I pastor out of church at Harmony Baptist out near Coleman. And the guy was mad at one of my members. Because he owned, he was a cotton farmer and everything. Dewey Wilson. He was mad at Dewey Wilson. And I was preaching and I heard this. And I'm like, what in the world? So, you know, I just kept on preaching. And then after a couple more minutes, and a plane was dive bombing the church. And I went outside, and there's this, like a crop dusting plane, and it was going, and Dewey Wilson's out in front of the church going like this. And what had happened was, is this guy had crop dusted near Dewey Wilson's property, where his house was, and, it, and some of that uh, got onto his wife's plants and flowers and killed them. 
So Dewey called him up and said, you know, you dumb, I don't know what was said, you big dummy, don't be doing that no more. Well, he said, all right, I'll pay you back. And he come in at the plane and just kept dive-bombing the church, making a big scene, you know. I couldn't do nothing but laugh about it. I thought it was funny. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen, you know. But, hey, that stuff follows me around, guys. I'm just warning you. That stuff follows me around. Look, Brother Raymond's followed me around all these years. So you just go, it's, it's entertaining. Okay, so many people ask me as a pastor, and they'll say, I want to do something for God. I want to do something for the Lord. I don't feel like I'm necessarily called to preach. We're not all called to preach. I'm not necessarily called to teach Sunday school. Maybe I'm not called to sing, lead a song service, play a piano. But I want to do, so, I want to do more than just come into the church, sit down, and listen to preaching, sing songs, and go home. I want to start doing something for the Lord. And of course, I always, the first thing I always encourage somebody to do is read your Bible. It's... It, it, it's important to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't have your relationship with Jesus Christ coming through me or through your church or through your pastor or through your song service or through the... You, your relationship is a personal relationship through Jesus, with Jesus Christ that should be coming as a personal relationship, not as somebody being a mediator. If you're getting all your Bible knowledge through me, you're going to be here a long time waiting to learn. You need to be studying on your own. You need to be reading on your own. So one of the things you can do as a Christian for the Lord is the witness. That's what you're called to do. Jesus Christ said, go ye into all the world. So what we're supposed, our great commission as a church, as a people of a church, as Christians, is to tell other people about Jesus Christ. Now Jesus Christ calls you through Scripture, He calls each and every one of you that are saved a fruit tree. What does a fruit, fruit tree do? A fruit tree produces fruit that drops off that fruit tree. And what does that fruit do? It's supposed to create more fruit trees. Amen. So what I encourage any Christian in here this morning, this is what we, I'm going to preach on, what I'm going to show you is, I encourage you to get gospel tracts and start handing them out. Amen. And I'm going to show you why you can do that. And you can do that. You can be the most shy person in this church. You don't have to be a big mouth like me and just run your mouth like I do all the time. You can do all kinds of things for the Lord by handing out gospel tracts. Look at Psalms chapter 126, verse 5. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Great promise. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you know we're just sinners. Lord, you know we're not worthy to even call on your name, Father, but Lord, we need you right now. Lord, we need your Holy Spirit to move, Father God. There's some of us, Lord, that are just wore down from this, living this life we live, Lord. We're just tired. Uh, Lord, we go from day to day, from week to week. Seems like it's the same old thing, Lord. We turn on the TV. Nothing's changed, Lord. Everything's so wicked, Father. We need we need your Holy Spirit moving in us. We need the, the, the water of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, to give us life. We're so dry. And Father, I just pray you encourage us, Lord God, to be able to give up these tracts, get these tracts, hand them out, Lord God. Get them out, Lord. Get your word out. Be a witness, Father. Do something for you, Lord, because we know anything we do in here, in this world, Lord God, for you will last for eternity. Father, make this stuff real to us. Father, I ask you to build a hedge of protection around this church, around each heart in this church, Lord God. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. So, 
The scripture says there, the psalmist says there, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Why, why are you crying? Verse 6, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Why would you cry? Why would you be crying doing this? Well, why would you weep? You simply reap because you weep because hell is real. Amen. If this stuff is real to you, and it should be if you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, heaven is real to us. But there's a flip side of that coin. We're saved, amen? amen. We're saved. What are we saved from? We're not, when you say saved, you're implying not that you're saved to something, you're saved from something. And you're saved from a devil's hell that we deserve because of the sin in our life. And thanks to Jesus Christ, we can get out of that. So we weep because hell is real and because there's so many souls that are going there. If you'll ever, ever get hell real in your mind and know that hell is real, it'll make you do something more for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do we cry? Because souls are going to hell. Hell is real. Souls are going there. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. A lot of those souls going there are ones that you know and love. Fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and friends and neighbors and ones you work with. Uh, I can't count the souls around me that are going to hell. And it should break your heart. I was reading a story about this little lad. It was, he, it was uh, this guy, he was a great missionary. And he was over in Africa and he, he did this great mission work in Africa. But he told how he got saved. And he said, the way I got saved was, it, I was over and it was, a, it was a Danish lad. And this little boy came up to me. He said he was maybe 10 years old, 11, 12 years old. And he handed me a gospel tract. And I was lost. And I looked at that kid and I said, get out of here. I don't want none of that. And I was so mean to that kid, and that kid did not flinch. He said that kid just kept standing there holding out that track, trying to hand him a gospel track. And he said, I took that gospel track out of that kid's hand, and I ripped it up right in front of him. And I said, I said, don't give me, I don't, none of this. And he said, I was so mean and hateful, and that kid didn't change a bit. He said, that kid just turned and walked away. And he said, I watched that kid, what he's going to do. And he said, that kid went over into a little doorway off the street, and he bowed his head. And he started praying, and he said, it startled me to see tears rolling down that kid's eyes. It saved that guy. Because he said, that kid cared for my soul. Amen. He cared enough for me to embarrass himself, to make a fool of himself, to get me angry at him, simply by handing out a track. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Brothers and sisters, these are, these are precious. These aren't free. There's men and women in this church that live on a very fixed income. They give a lot of money to this church and give it specifically for the Bible fund. This is the Bible fund. You're seeing it up here. And I put all this up here this morning. We were able to order in 10,000 gospel tracts. And I don't want them sitting in the back. They're not supposed to be sitting in the back. They're supposed to be getting out. And this precious seed that I hold in my hand is for us to get out, is for any Christian used to get out the gospel truth of Jesus Christ. Now turn to Luke 8. I hope you still have your hand in Luke 8. Turn to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to start there at verse 4. Luke chapter 8, verse 4. And I'm going to preach this morning on some uh, good reasons to use gospel tracts, why we should use them. 
Why, important, why it's so important to use them. Luke chapter 8, verse 4, Jesus Christ tells a parable. And notice it says, And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake a parable. This is very unique because he waits to every, he waits till as many people are around. Notice, much people gathered together, notice, and were come to him out of every city. So there's times in his life where he didn't have as many people. He didn't tell this parable. He waits till the, the maximum number of people are there. So he tells this parable, verse 5, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. A sower's job is to spread the seed. And I'm here to tell you this morning, everybody in this church this morning that's a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you might not know this, but you're going to know it now, you're a sower. And you're supposed to be sowing the seed. That's his whole job. And when you sow, and I have a picture of somebody sowing up here, when you sow, the more seed, the better, and the wider the spread, the better. If you're just spreading it around in front of you a little bit, that's not doing much good. You need to spread it out. The old time uh, sowers, they would go out and they would take their hand and they'd just spread it out. Just spread. And the more the better. Because not every seed we're going to read is going to hit on good ground. A sower went out to sow his seed and he sowed some fell by the wayside and it was trodden down and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. I want to point out about this parable, and he's about to explain himself to his disciples. But I want to point out this parable that Jesus Christ is showing you that a sower's job is to spread the seed, and that's it. I'm going to say that one more time. A sower's job is to spread the seed. That's it. I'm not kidding you. I'm not trying to encourage you to do something that's going to take you to, uh, to a place that you're not comfortable. This is the easiest job. You're just taking seed and you're just going to spread it out. It's not your job for you to get people saved. You're not going to get people saved. The Holy Spirit is going to save somebody. Listen, your job is to sow the seed... God's job through the Holy Spirit is to get that seed where it's supposed to go. And secondly, the heart has to receive it. The heart of the ground. The ground takes it. God works with it. That's His job. Any farmer in here understands that. Hey, I'm just planting the seed. If God doesn't water it, that's the Holy Spirit. If God doesn't water it, it's not going to come up. If the ground doesn't take it, it's not going to come up. And that's the scary part about being a rancher, being a farmer, especially in this country where rain is so scarce, amen? We pray for rain a lot of times in here. We should pray as Christians for the Holy Spirit when we're spreading these seeds. I pray, Lord, as the, the Holy Spirit will work on this man or woman's heart. We'll take this seed and we'll, you'll get it in the right ground. It'll go into the right ground. Look at verse 9. Look at verse 9. And, his, and, and the, his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? They didn't understand it. And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, 
that seeing they might not see and hearing they might not understand. So there's a, there's a verse that he's quoting there that they're not supposed to understand, and that's why he's giving them a parable. But, verse 11, now the parable is this. He tells you, Jesus explains the parable. Now, I'm going to say this this morning. A lot of times when you're reading your Bible and you don't understand what the Bible's saying, just keep reading. A lot of times it interprets itself, especially if, he, if God wants you to know what it is. Verse 11, now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. Amen. So you've got to get a gospel track. You've got to get a gospel track that has the Word of God in it. Amen. And I'm about to show this gospel track up here, and we're going to talk about it. But that's one of the things I love about this gospel track is that the Word of God is all through this gospel track. The power's in the Word of God. You're not going to reason somebody into heaven. You, I've reasoned and argued and, 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 and proven Jehovah's Witnesses wrong over. and I've had them at my dinner table and proved them wrong. I've had them at my doorstep and proved them. I've had them at my doorstep and their face turned white when I've said stuff to them that the Holy Spirit's given them. Did they get saved? Not right there. I don't know what happened to them. I doubt they ever did get saved. They have a heart that's not ready to receive it. Or they have a devil that takes it away from them. Verse 12, those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. So, a lot of times I pray in this church, and I pray the Lord will build a hedge of protection around your hearts. And that hedge of protection is to keep the devil away from the word that the Holy Spirit's trying to put in there on a Sunday morning, on a Wednesday night, on a Sunday school service. Because the Holy Spirit's moving this morning, and He's trying to put the Word in your heart. And the devil's there to try to take it away. The devil's there to try to take it away. So let me tell you something, brothers and sisters. You need to be praying over these tracks when you're handing them out. Pray over these tracks. We're going to pray over these tracks this morning that they'll get in the right hands, they'll get into the right people, that the person that needs to read them will be able to read them. Now, you might be discouraged. You might say, man, I, I, I don't even know how to hand somebody a track. And I'm going to show you you don't even have to look at somebody in the face to get these things out. You, you can lay them all kinds of different places. Now, Brother Raymond, this might surprise you. He's not shy. And Brother Raymond, over the years, I've seen him walk right up to somebody at the uh, Brookshire Brothers there in Hamilton and right into their face and say, here, take this. Just like that, right, Brother? It ain't hard, is it? <laughs> if you got the courage, right? Well, you don't have to be that way. They can't do nothing but whoop me, and that's been done before. Amen, brother. That's a good attitude to have. We don't all, we're not all brave like you, brother, and have a cane that we can use to whip them back. There's a church there in Hamilton that somebody called me, a brother in Christ called me and said, you'll never believe this, but the, the preacher got up and he got to praising God because somebody had given him a gospel track. He got to saying, we need to be giving more gospel tracks out. And we need to be, it was Brother Raymond that had done it. And Brother Raymond gave one gospel track out, one brother got it, and it was bringing a revival to a church. Amen. One gospel track. These things are powerful. When you're handing somebody a gospel track, if you have the courage to hand it to their face, you can say, here's some food for thought. Here's some food for thought. Now, a lot of times I'll say, this is a gospel track, or this will tell you about Jesus Christ. Or you can say, hey, I want to invite you to church. 
If you, if you want to break the ice, or you can just hand it to them and not say nothing. Just, here you go. Now, uh, a lot of times when I go out to like Sonic, and I buy me something to drink at Sonic, I'll, I'll put a dollar bill in here. And when the, and when the, uh, the, girl, the bellhop comes out, most times it's a girl, I'll put a dollar bill in here, and then I'll hand it to her like that with a dollar bill as a tip. And if you're going to leave these at the, uh, if you're going to go out to eat, a great place to do it is when you get through eating, leave it with a tip. Now, don't leave a cheap tip. Leave a good tip. So they'll say, man, that's a good tip, and you got the best tip. The gospel message. Now, if you leave them a dollar and twenty-five cents on a, on a fifty-dollar meal, that's not a good tip. I'm just giving you some good Christian advice. We're representing Jesus Christ, so do those things that really glorify Him. One of the things you can do. And I've never said this, but I've heard a brother say this. He'll say, "Hey, you got one of these yet?" See, that's psychological. Have you gotten one of these yet? Meaning, you're missing out if you don't if you don't have one of these. So there's three different types of ground in these verses here. Those, by the way, are they that hear from, that cometh from, that then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. These are lost. You give them the gospel tract, they get the word of God, they don't want it. The devil takes it away, they have a lot of doubt. Verse 13, they on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. These are lost. These hear the word. They're probably coming to church. They've come to church. They've been at a church. They've heard the gospel. They say, that sounds like something, but they've never truly trusted in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. If you don't have the root, you don't have salvation. The root is the foundation is belief in Jesus Christ. I dare say that there's probably a lot of Catholics that are in this category. That they know of Jesus Christ. They've heard the story of Jesus Christ. They might say, well, I believe it, but they haven't believed on Jesus Christ. There's a difference between believing in and believing on. Brother Packer likes to preach, and he's preached before that when you believe in something, you're saying, yeah, you, somebody has a wheelbarrow, and they, go, they, put, they string that rope across a, across a Grand Canyon, and they get on that wheelbarrow, and they go across that wheelbarrow, and they're tight roping that, and they come back across, and they say, you believe I can do that? And they're like, I sure believe it, man, i just seen it. And he goes, well, hop in the wheelbarrow. That's called believing on. You can have a good doctor and say, I believe in my doctor, but until you get on that table and let him cut on you, you haven't believed on him. Amen. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The devils believe and tremble with fear. So there's something going on there with just belief. And I've heard preachers say, it's not an easy believism. I, I, I don't say that. It is easy. And it is a belief in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've got to believe in Jesus Christ and know He's alive, know He's resurrected, know you're a sinner, and receive Him as your Lord and Savior. Those are on the rock. And then verse 14, And they which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Now these are they that receive the word, that are saved, a lot of Christians, but don't do anything for the Lord. Verse 14 says that the cares and riches of pleasures of this life, that's the majority of Christians. They get saved. They're saved, amen. But they're living for the world. They're not living for the Lord. They're not producing any fruit. That's what we're not going to do in this church. In this church, uh, you can sit in here in this church, and, and, and I want you to come to this church, but understand that you're going to hear messages that try to encourage you to do something for the Lord. 
And the reason why I do that is because I really, really believe in the judgment seat of Christ. And the judgment, and brother, uh, our, our brother Ingesath came in and did the clay potter ministries, built the clay, did all the clay, made the clay pots, amazing ministry. His whole ministry is based on clay and the judgment seat of Christ. And I get him to come in here because he hammers at home over and over again that, hey, there's going to come a day, you're saved Christian, nothing's going to change that, you're part of the family of God, nothing's going to change that, but you will have to answer for what you've done and not done for the Lord. There's rewards waiting for you, lots of rewards. But the Bible also teaches you can lose those rewards. Not salvation, you can lose those rewards. Now, I stress that because I don't want to play around with Jesus Christ. I don't like to play around with Jesus. And when I was in Pensacola, we had the uh, me and brother Chad Reese, Mark Smith, sitting around. That, that girl came up, the waitress, and we had our Bibles open at the table. We were eating up there at Denny's. And she says, you do take, I'll take y'all's religion serious. And I said, no, I take Jesus Christ serious. Listen, I'm not going to drive 40 miles, 40 minutes one way just to play around. And a lot of y'all are coming from a long way. I know it's 20 minutes, 25 minutes, 35, 45 minutes. I, I know y'all are serious about Jesus Christ. I know a lot of y'all in here are like me. You're like, I've had it just about up to here with the world. It's not doing nothing for me. I'm not happy living in the world. I want to do something that brings me some joy in Jesus Christ. This is the start right here. This is the start right here. And then verse 15 is where we need to be. Jesus Christ says, But they on the good ground, that's a good heart, and they which are in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Amen. So you've got to be patient with this stuff, but you're going to bring forth fruit. Uh, we've been handing out tracts for 13 years here. Since I first came in, we started handing out tracts. We've handed out... We've handed out at least probably 20,000 gospel tracts here. I know we, we ordered in 10,000 before, got all of them out. And before that, there's no telling how many thousands. There's not a lot of fruit to show for it. I can't say, man, you can see the church is not full of people, is it? But I know there's been people changed and lives changed. And I know there's been people saved. Now, I might not know about it until I get to heaven, but I've got to be patient and I've got to trust that I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do. It's not my job to save them. It's not my job to get them to start coming to church. It's not my job for them to start serving. My job is to sow, right? Amen. You just cast the bread on the waters. Wherever it goes, it goes. That's God's hands. That's in the other person's hands. But I know my job is to get as much of this seed as I can and to cast it out, to cast it out, to cast it out, to keep casting it. I've handed treks out at Mardi Gras. Down in New Orleans, handed out tracts, handed out tracts. You get to handing out tracts, and literally, you, you, I'd try to hand a tract to somebody, and they look like they'd do like this. The whole body would lean away from me like I was trying to stab them with a knife. And then you get one person to take a track, and if you get one person to take a track, and while they're walking down that sidewalk at Mardi Gras, all of a sudden they're like, oh, look, and they all start taking tracks. And you don't have enough time. But one person take, it's like, eh, and then they all start going, ooh, ooh, ooh. We're a bunch of sheep. I remember looking up there, and there were two uh, uh, African-American boys sitting up on some steps there on Jackson, by Jackson Square there at Mardi Gras. People drinking and just all that hell you could think of right down there. And we were down there, and I walked up to those steps, and I was talking to those African-American boys, 
and uh, they got saved. They accepted Jesus Christ, the Lord, and saved. One of the things that one of them said to me, he said, he looked down at all those people and said, I've been watching this for years and years. He goes, I don't want that. I don't want that. And we praised the Lord. Me and Brother Andrew Decker were up there with them. We were praising the Lord. We were so thankful that somebody got saved. We went back down there. We were handing out tracts. And those boys come down there, and one of them said, uh, can we help you? I said, well, yeah, man. And I grabbed out some tracks, and I'll never forget, there, there, there's those two boys, and they were out there helping me. 17-year-old boys sat there helping me hand out tracks. A lot more courage than Christians that have been saved for 40 years. Because they finally had found the truth, and the truth had set them free. I believe in the power of a track. John Bunyan, who wrote the second most uh, published book, Pilgrim's Progress, he was saved by a gospel track. Gospel tracks can get into places you would never get into. Gospel tracks, this track, preaches 24 hours a day. You might not like me. You might look up here and say, I don't like bald-headed people. This track... Can't be judged that way. You might say he's got crooked teeth. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like his attitude. I don't like the way his face looks. I, this track is, is neutral. This track can get into somebody's house that I can't get into. This track is ready to preach when they're ready to hear. Amen. This track can be left for a year, 10 years, 15 years, and the right person God sends that way can find it. You won't believe this, but there's a testimony of a guy that was scuba diving off a coast and he went down a little further, and there was an oyster down there, and in that oyster's clamshell was a piece of paper. And he was down there, and he took that piece of paper out, and he looked at it, and it was a gospel track. And he got saved. And if you go to that guy's house today, he's got that clam up on his mantle of his fireplace, and he's got that piece of paper sitting in that. For people to ask him, what is that? That's how I got saved. If you want the truth, God will give you the truth. If you want the seed, God has got the seed. We've got to be sowers to sow that seed. Now, it doesn't do any good for some of us people that are in here that a lot of us in here don't make much money. And a lot of us here try to tithe. We try to do what we can for the Lord. And this isn't about money. But I'm trying to say is there's people that have really sacrificed so us so we could have this seed. Amen. And now the ball is in our court to get this seed and let's get it out. Let's get it out. I want to show this track right here. This was your life. Uh, Matt, will you help me hand some of these out? I want everybody to have one of these. Just hand those out, brother. This track is called, this was your, this is the track. And the reason why I put all these up on the Lord's Supper table like this is because I want to show you how many we have. We have 10,000 of these. You could take 1,000 of them and we wouldn't even miss them. The great thing about gospel tracks is one of the great things about gospel tracts is you can, it can be read when nobody's paying attention. A lot of people don't come to Jesus Christ because they're ashamed. What they've said or their friends will make fun of them. A gospel tract can be read. Thank you, brother. A gospel tract can be read in the privacy of a person's home. An atheist who's been an atheist all his life can get a gospel tract and read it without anybody knowing about it. I've been down there, like I said, at Mardi Gras, and there'll be some guy walk by me. Two steps to the right, two steps to the left, as drunk as can be. I say, hey, man, 
Yeah. I said, man, put this in your pocket. Thank you. And I've done that because when he gets home and wakes up from that drunk, and he's like, oh, I'll never do that again. What's this? There's been people saved that way. There's been lots of testimonies of people saved that way. So I, got, I gave you this track because I want you to show, and I've got it up on the transparency, but I want to give you an idea, reason what we're going, and we're going to hand out these tracks. This is the best track I've ever found. That's why we ordered in 10,000 of them. I believe this is the best track I've ever seen, ever found. If you've got one that you like, buy that one or get with me. I'll buy it for you and we'll help you hand them out. This is the best one I've found. And I want to go through it. So reason why we're going through it this, this morning, we're at, this track is at the most 22 pages, 24 if you add in the, the front and the back and everything. You hand somebody a Bible, it's going to take them a while to go through that Bible, amen? They might not know where to turn in the Bible. And what this is, it's, it's, it's quick, it's simple, but it's going to have the Word of God, but it's going to have pictures. That's what I like about this thing. The first one starts out, there's a man, he's sitting leisurely. And the verse says on the bottom, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years, take thine ease, eat, drink. And be married. That's found in Luke chapter 12, verse 19. That's the majority of people today, especially here in America. Life is good. I'm living the dream. I've got a nice car. I've got TV. I've got a house. I'm, I've got the smokes I want. I've got the drinks I want. Life is good. But if uh, Brother Martin will know this when I say it. But what I know about life, life is short. I've buried way too many young people. Praise God that he's given you the life he's given you, Sister Alice, because a lot of us don't get it. A lot of us don't get but 20, 30, 40 years. And that's what this man finds out. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring. Remember I preached last Sunday, Haman, Bragging to his wife, bragging to his friends. Man, wait till tomorrow. I'm going to get to go in with the banquet with the king and the queen. Man, everything's great. Tomorrow came and he was hanging from a rope. I tell you what frightens me is to talk to somebody and then find out the next day they die in a car wreck. I said, man, I just talked to them. We were just talking. That is real right there. And what I like about this gospel track is, if you don't like to read, which a lot of people, y'all, y'all, y'all be honest, y'all don't like to read. A lot of y'all don't like to read. I understand that. You got the pretty pictures. It's got pictures. If somebody can't read, it's got the pictures. It is appointed on men once to die, but after this, the judgment. That, that page right there shows you you're going to die, everybody dies. But what people don't understand, nobody argues that everybody dies, amen? But what people argue about is that there's a judgment coming. And that's what we're going to try to show you in this track. It says here, he was a good man. But we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. That's in Isaiah 64, 6. Brother Martin knows this. When you're a preacher, and you have to preach a funeral, you don't get to tell the truth a lot of times. He was a good man. That's why I hate preaching funerals. Because it's hard to tell the truth. Yeah, this guy was a drunkard. He beat his wife. Everybody in town knew he was a sorry, no good dog. He was a good man. 
How do you say that at a funeral? You don't get the truth at a funeral. Amen. <laughs> Amen. You don't get the truth at the funeral. Now, I'll give you the truth of Jesus Christ. I'll give you the truth. But you're not going to hear the truth about the person that's in the grave is what I'm saying. There's nothing more wonderful for me than get a call from that I'm going to be preaching a funeral for a brother or sister in Christ. Because I'm going to talk about Jesus Christ. I'm going to talk about what they've done for the Lord. But when you got a man here that didn't, do any, didn't know God, didn't do anything, he's laying in the grave. It's too late. You can't talk about it. It's hard to. If you say, well, you need, like Brother Raymond said, well, you need to tell the truth. Well, next time I'll call you, you can preach the funeral. Amen? I mean, because it sounds easy, doesn't it? Until you get up there and you see all the family and they're all grieving and you're thinking, if I tell the truth, they're going to kill me. Yeah. This guy was sorry. Who knows if he's in hell? Who knows if he, you know, you can't. Amen. And, they, and you shouldn't do that to your family. You should tell your family, I know I'm going to be in heaven. Don't you worry about me. I'm saved. I've received Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. That's a testimony enough, right? Amen. And if they're arguing with you, say, well, read this. Take this track, go home and read it. You don't have to go to church. I'm not telling you to go to my church. I'm just telling you, read this. He's in the grave. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice. Soul goes up. What's happening? Wait, I'm dead. It's all over. And shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The truth in the world is they think once you kick the bucket, that's it. It's over. There's nothingness. Your soul goes somewhere else. Nobody knows where it's at. Who cares? Nowhere. Life's over. Who cares? It doesn't work that way. Amen. I'm dead. It's all over. Wake up. That's when life's really beginning. Judgment. But you don't understand heaven and hell are here on earth. I've always said that. Your beliefs matter nothing. Well, I've got an aunt, and she's so sincere. And those Jehovah's Witnesses, when they knock on my door, they seem so sincere, Brother Keegan. Oh, they are sincere. But all sincerity without the truth is still a lie. Don't be fooled. You can be sincere as you want to be, but if you don't have the truth, it's still a lie. I've always said that. Who cares what you believe? It's not about you anymore. It's about God and His judgment on you. Come and you have an appointment. Will anyone else be there? Oh, yes, quite a number. Everybody's going to be there. There's your destination. I simply refuse to believe this is happening to me. Page 8. Now look, I've lived a really, real good life. I was no different than anyone else. The angel simply tells him everything's been recorded. Next... As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. You're not going to be judged by how good you are compared to your neighbor. I've had some good neighbors and I have some rotten neighbors. God's not going to judge you that way. I hate to tell you this, but it's the truth. You're going to be judged for your own sins. You're not going to be judged because your mom and dad and your grandmother and granddad were the good people in the church and they always were in church and they did stuff for the Lord. My dad was a preacher. God don't care about that. God cares about you personally. And there's none righteous. None. Including this preacher. Including any preacher you know. Nobody's righteous. It's only through Jesus Christ. But I want to make a note that as we're going through this, notice that they're using scriptures to back up what they're showing to you in pictures. 
And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things were written in the books according, according, according to their works. Revelation 20, 12. And it shows him standing, it shows him standing before God Almighty. Review his life, the throne says. Yes, Lord, this was your life. There's the title of this track. Now you're going to have your life reviewed. Look, well, that's me as a baby. Does this mean that everything I've ever done is going to be reviewed? For there is nothing hid which shall not be manifested. Yes. Everything you've done is going to be shown. There you are as a teenager, the angel says. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, guys, this is the dirtiest story I've ever heard. It goes like this. And he's looking at that, and he goes, no, stop. And he's gasping, not, not that story, not here. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Amen. Shows another time in his life where he's looking at a woman that she doesn't notice he's looking at her, and he's like, oh, yeah, that's nice. I remember doing that, but no one saw me. He says to the angel, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. You're not going to get by at this judgment. Amen. And if you're honest with yourself and you believe, uh, believe and realize you're going to stand before God, you're a fool to think you can stand before God in your own righteousness. Amen. And that's what this is showing you. And then it shows date after date after date where it's whisper, hater of God, theft, lies, disobedient to parents, pride, unmerciful. Why didn't someone warn me about all this? For there is nothing covered that should not be revealed and hid that should not be known. Jesus Christ said that. And you notice all the dates up here showing all the different sins he did. He's, they're all recorded. And he says, why didn't somebody warn me about this? That's your job. Amen. Amen. Let me say something. If you're in here and you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you know why you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ? Because somebody had the guts to warn you. Yes. A Sunday school teacher, a preacher, a friend, a co-worker, a mom, a dad, grandmother, they had the guts to take you to church and to warn you that you need Jesus Christ. Amen. So many people were gonna, are thinking that what they're going to do is they're going to get by with it and they're going to stand before God and they're going to say, nobody ever warned me. I'm here to tell you, knowing my Bible and being in this world for almost 50 years, everybody gets a warning Amen. in one way or another. If you're listening to this or you're here this morning, you're getting a warning. Right. <laughs> See? Amen. Let me show you. Hey, wait, look, that's me in church. See, I wasn't so bad. I went to church. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. The preacher's preaching the Word of God. He's thinking, I wonder who's winning the ball game. <coughs> that convict anybody in here? It convicts me. You know how many times I've been at church and I'm like, shut up, Brother Packer. The Cowboys are playing. Let's get out of here. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. I couldn't care less what time is it. He was warned. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me, the preacher says. He says, ah, it's a bunch of bunk. I don't need Christ. There's nothing wrong with me. I'll make it my way. God's going to show you how you had the opportunity and you passed it up. And people say, well, what about all those children over in Africa? 
You mean those ones that run around wearing Nike shirts? They know. A lot of them know. That's why we have missionaries. That's why those brothers and sisters right there on that wall are all over the world right now this morning. Doing what we're trying to do through a gospel track. He said, I must have been insane. You won't say that now. I'm not expecting you to say that now, but when you stand before a holy God and you're naked before God and you have the answer for all your sins, that's when you're going to say, I must have been out of my mind. No, what you were was deceived by the world. What can I say? I'm lost without hope, without Christ. I'm guilty, guilty. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. The Bible says that Every mouth will be shut. You're not going to be able to talk back to God once he gets done. It'll be you. You'll know you're guilty. Open the book of life. His name does not appear, Lord. Depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire to prepare for the devil and his angels. That's Matthew 25, 41. And there, these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And then the track shows them, again, cast into hell. And whoso was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It doesn't get any more real than that. If you've gotten that far to that track, I bet you're pretty mad if you're lost. (laughs) Or you're convicted. But the reason why this makes this the greatest track I've ever found is it's easy to talk about the bad, but now we're going to get the good. This can be your life. Yeah, that's your life, and that's what's going to happen without Jesus Christ, but you don't have to have it happen that way. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants everybody saved. And that's why we're handing out tracts to the people in the suit. We hand out tracts to the people that don't have a shirt on their back. We hand out tracts to the rich, to the poor. To the, it don't matter what race you are, you're going to get a tract. Because God wants everybody saved. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Of course I believe the Bible. Now this is another thing that could have happened. I'm convinced that I'm lost and going to hell, but what must I do to be saved? The pastor says repent. Surrender your life to Christ. Acknowledge that He died for your sins and receive Him as your Savior. And then he gives the verse. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Amen. And he prays a prayer, a sinner's prayer. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins and I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. That's it. That's all you have to pray. Amen. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Amen. Amen. That's the Lord we serve. He gets saved. Then it shows that uh, he starts praying, Dear Lord, what's your will for me now? He's living a godly life. He's got a beautiful family. He's talking to people about the Bible. He's visiting people in the nursing home, in the hospitals, at home that are sick. Incidentally, sir, the man's talking about him at work. He's not only one of our best workers, but he's also a fine Christian. Amen. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. Take my hand, Lord Jesus, I'm coming home. So we all know we're going to die, amen. We all know we're going to die, but precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's a different story now. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. But it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's a different life. That's the life that I have. Not because of anything I've done, but because of Jesus Christ. That's how you get saved. That's why I love this track. 
the back of every one of these tracks, what you've got is you've got the plan of salvation. The Bible says there's only one way to heaven. Jesus, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. John 14, 6. Nobody else can save you. Trust Jesus today, that if thou shalt confess the mouth of the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Admit you're a sinner, step one. Be willing to turn from your sin. Repent. Third, step three, believe that Jesus Christ died for you, was buried, and rose from the, third, rose from the dead. Verse four, I mean, number four, through prayer, invite Jesus into your heart to become your personal Savior. That's the plan of salvation right there. That, you can't get much simpler than that. And he even shows you how to pray it. Dear God, I'm a sinner and need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood and died for my sin. I'm willing to turn from sin. I now invite Christ to come into my heart as my personal Savior. It's that simple. Amen. Every one of us in here got saved that way. And then it gives you some ideas of what you need to do once you do get saved. Read your Bible, talk to God in prayer, get baptized, worship at a church, fellowship with other Christians, tell others about Jesus. Now, the back of every one of these tracks, uh, brothers and sisters, it's got the name of the church, it's got my name, it's got the phone number for the church, it's got the times for, for the Sunday school. That's why I'm saying you can always hand this like this and say, hey, I just want to invite you to church. It's got a map to show you how to get to the church because we're so far out in the boonies. It's got a little uh, logo there showing that we're King James Bible, 1611. I'm not ashamed of that. As a matter of fact, I promote it because there's people that are looking for a King James Bible-believing church. Amen. Visit us at IndianGapBaptist.com. There we go. So there's our, our website. There's so much we can do for the Lord. So much we can get done for the Lord. We just need to sow it. I'm going to go through this real quick. You can throw them at the library, put them in books. You can, and when you're going bowling, when you're in a taxi at a garage sale, at the gas station. I like to put them at the gas pumps. Above the gas pumps, they have the little signs trying to get you to come in and buy something from the store. I open up the track, the part where I like the best, which is about on page 14 and 15, and I do like that, and I slip it right into there. So when somebody's pumping gas, it's open, and they can look at it and read it. I put it on urinals. If you're at a urinal, I put it up there, open it up at a urinal. And somebody say, man, I go into this, the, the stripes, and there's always one sitting over there in that urinal. <laughs> he goes, I'm reading it. We were at uh, Aldi's, and when we check out at Aldi's, you know, they make you sack your own groceries. I leave a gospel track there. We were in there a couple of weeks ago. We went in there, and I turned to my wife. I said, you already been up here? Because there was two of these laying up there at the front. I went over there, picked it up, turned around. It was blank. It wasn't one of ours. Somebody else is doing the exact same thing. Amen. And maybe they saw us doing it and made them want to do it. Yeah. So you're encouraging other Christians. Bus train, buses, trains, planes, motels, hotels. When you're, in the, when, you're in the, when you're in the hotel room and there's a Gideon Bible, put a gospel track in there. It goes back to what I was saying that sometimes they don't know where to find the stuff in the Bible. This gospel track shows them where to read. Uh, college campuses at Halloween, give some candy out and give tracks at the same time. If you get pulled over, cheerfully hand one to the officer. I don't recommend that. Because it's like, uh, you're going to give me a ticket? Well, you're going to hell. At least that's how I would do it. If you can do that, you're a better Christian than me. <laughs> Store counters, half tracks always ready on you. Bus stops, fast food, drive through. When you go through a fast food, give them fast food to get some fast food, drive through, give them a track. You're at a, at a restaurant eating out, give them a track. Libraries, mailings. 
at the bank, at the hospitals. You can leave these anywhere, all kinds of places. You can, it, it, it's your imagination where you can leave these. Or you can just be like Brother Raymond, walk up to him, hand him one. You, but I'm showing you, you can either be bold like Brother Raymond or you can be kind of timid and just lay them out, spread them out, just throw them out there. My wife leaves literally hundreds of tracks. She, she convicts me when I go out in public with her because she always has tracks on her. I bought a wallet that's a real long wallet. It sticks up long in my, but the reason why is so I can hold four or five gospel tracks. I always have a gospel track on me. You never know when you're going to need it. I'm just trying to encourage you. We need to get tracks out. Uh, I heard a testimony of a guy saying, now I know why they call them tracks. You handed me this, and it tracked me home. It tracked me in my sleep. It tracked me out in the barn. It tracked me out into the woods. It tracked me back to the house. It tracks me everywhere. Now I know why you call it a track. The testimony of a guy getting one of these tracks, like, not like this, but a track, and he tore it up in front of the man's face, and he threw it up in the air, and they were on a boat, and, and there's a piece of paper landed on his chest, he took that piece of paper off, and one side, one side said God, and he flipped the piece of paper over. The other side said eternity. He got off the boat. He went to go drinking. God, eternity followed him. He went to go gambling. God, eternity followed him. Everywhere he went, he kept thinking God and eternity until he got saved. God can use this stuff and has used this stuff. I want to encourage you when the service is over and we're about to close that grab you, grab you a pack. Try something out. If you, you getting tired of junk, you get junk mail that has those return envelopes in there, drop a gospel track in there. Make them pay to get a gospel track. You can, there's all kinds of ways, brothers and sisters, y'all can imagine stuff that I've never dreamed of if you've got the heart to do it. You've got a loved one that won't get saved, write them a letter, mail them this track. Mail them their own track. You can buy your own tracks that has nothing on the back. Just get it to them. We're not trying to promote this church. This just shows them if they want to find out where we're at, they can come over here and find out and find out what we're all about. That's what this is about. I've had people leave me text messages, call me, and say, man, keep up the good work. They found these tracks everywhere. And they'll tell me, keep up the good work. I don't know if this is going to work or not. But I want to close, and this is a real 15, 20-second video, short video. This is grainy, but this is a video of Chinese Christians they smuggled in a suitcase full of Bibles. Everybody's got a Bible in here. If you don't have one, you know you can get one from me. No, I, want you to I want you to see how they react when they get the Word of God. Amen. We are spoiled rotten. Amen. don't have to understand Chinese to understand exactly what she was saying. There's people that are dying going to hell. They want the truth and they just want somebody to give it to them. Guys, it's our responsibility to get the gospel to a lost and dying world. They're not getting it on TV. They're, some people are going to church and not getting this stuff. We can do something for the Lord today and do something great. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the Internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you.
If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, that's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him